This episode of Hitting Play is brought to you by Grapes, the only food at the supermarket you feel comfortable eating without paying for, you filthy criminal. Found wherever fine apples and bananas are sold. Best way to start your day is by play. Hello and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott. And helping me storm the castle for this episode is Sean. Hello. Well, this week we watched a cult classic that's beloved worldwide, the amazing Japanese game show known to some as Takeshi's Castle. Known to others as Showdown. Yes, it actually, the Japanese title is actually Fuwan Takeshi Jo, which translates to Showdown Takeshi's Castle. I thought that said fun. It's Fuwan? I think. I was wondering why there was two U's. Okay, Fuwan makes more sense. (laughs) I don't know. I I may be butchering this, so I apologize to any listener that speaks Japanese. Takeshi's Castle was a game show that ran on the Tokyo Broadcasting System channel from May 2nd, 1986 to April 14th, 1989. And I guess it had some specials in 1990. And then it had a special revival event in 2005. Yes. At first I thought TBS was Turner Broadcasting System, the Tokyo Broadcasting (laughs) System. I wonder if there's any lawsuits involved with that. I was like, I don't think TBS is 50 years old, but okay. <laughs> now, the star of this show is the actor, writer, director, all-around entertainer Takeshi Kitano. He plays a count in the show, often called Count Beat Takeshi. Beat is also Takeshi Kitano's nickname. And uh, the premise is that he has set up many challenges around his castle to prevent the evading army trying to storm it. You know, I, Scott, I was amazed to find out that this show was so old, or as old as it is. Um, mm-hmm. It ended 1990. It only ran for about four years. I was I didn't know that until I actually looked up some more information about Takeshi's Castle. Uh, I thought it was a, a much newer show than um, you know being almost 30 years old at this point. Mm-hmm. So that, was, that really surprised me. It, it's it's the it, I believe this really started the whole genre of these wipeout type shows. I can't remember anything before this or that that would have come before 1986 where they do this kind of stunt action and the challenges that they they do. Yeah, and if you're listening to all this and it sounds familiar, you may have seen a version of this show that aired on Spike TV in the mid-2000s called Most Extreme Elimination Challenge, or uh, MXC for short. And in this version, the footage was very heavily edited and it was completely dubbed with new dialogue and it really turned it into more of a comedy than a game show. Uh, They pretended that there were two teams facing each other like, you know, like astronauts and accountants or something like that, you know. And yeah. they kept some fake score. But internationally, Takeshi's Castle has been broadcast in dozens of countries. And it's funny, just kind of going back and doing the research here. Strangely, many countries did what the creators of MXC in America did. They, they edited the footage together with their own host segments sometimes, or different comedic dialogue dubbed in, and, in their native languages. And in many cases, the name of the show was also completely changed. I also recall another series that was on network TV for a while. This is probably mid-2000s. It was basically, I think on Fox or something like that. Same principle, basically. Oh, Bonsai. Bonsai. That was it. Bonsai, thank you. Yeah, I don't know if that was original footage. I think that was uh, an American show made to look like a Japanese game show. Yes, I believe you're correct. It was very... They're really trying to do a uh, Takeshi's Castle type of vibe on it. But yeah, Takeshi's Castle was the original. 
The one thing I like about Takeshi's Castle is that, you know, with Wipeout and these other shows, they really spend a lot of time with the contestants, mm-hmm. you know, getting to know the personalities, which is okay. I mean, if you're watching that and you get to root for a certain person. Takeshi's Castle, because it's dubbed and it's, you know, they, they do cut out a lot of the different events and everything, you don't know who these people are. You see some familiar faces once in a while, but they're literally throwing 150 contestants at these these games. So (laughs) there's no consistency (laughs) about wanting to find somebody who's, you know, going to win or you want to root for. It's it's just literally the, uh, especially this dubbed uh, Americanized version of it. The big draw for the show is watching... The slips, the falls, the mm-hmm. the messes, the mess ups, and, and the occasional really good runs that they make. I really like the the host, the English speaking host of Takeshi's Castle. Yeah, for this episode, we watched an episode that aired in the early two thousands on the now defunct channel FTN in the UK. I believe it's like a uh, a Virgin owned channel now, and uh, they of course had their own edit for the footage. Yeah, the host does a really good job, and actually it was really. Got a lot of accolades for his performance in Takeshi's Castle. It's uh, Craig Charles, who you might know as an actor on the sci-fi series Red Dwarf. Yeah. Have you ever watched that before, Scott? Oh, yeah. Uh, One of the major characters in um, that series was Craig Charles. David Lester, I believe it was, or Dave Lester, was his character on Red Dwarf. So he, after that, did Takeshi's Castle as his overdub and really got a lot of fame and popularity from doing it. And his his narration is pretty funny. Overall, it it really gives the the whole background and, you know, he does add that comedic effect into the Takeshi's Castle. Where if he wasn't there, it'll just be watching a bunch of people running through these obstacles, so... Yeah, it, it's it's funny watching it because he's not dubbing the lines of the people on the show. No. He's not translating anything that's being said. He's rather just narrating like color commentary. Yeah, yeah, it's a co- and, exactly. And readily admitting in some cases he has no idea what's happening <laughs> or he doesn't understand what's going on. You know, it's it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. And just going back to what you said about not really getting to know the contestants on a personal level. It, it, yeah, exactly, because it's... Between 100 and like 142 game show contestants, really an army. I mean, that's the the premise of the whole show. Yeah. And they they actually get ready for the mission at hand by General Tani, played by the actor Hayato Tani. And he's also called General Lee in some English versions. And we see that he forces the contestants to take on these grueling physical challenges. And they eliminate the ones from this field of contestants that fail as they go along. And uh, every episode ended with Count Takeshi facing the remaining contestants at what was called the final stage. And uh, the final stage varied. In in early seasons, contestants had to run up and literally storm the castle as water cannons were fired down upon them. And uh, later it was changed to these carts, cheaply made to like look like robotic tanks with targets on them. Yeah, yeah. And th- that's really funny to watch. It's because Takeshi and the remaining contestants, they had a driver on this small area firing at each other's targets. In some seasons, they were paper targets that had to be shot with with water. Uh, Later, they were laser sensitive. If someone took out Takeshi's targets, his cart was deactivated, and that player ended up winning the game. And uh, the the prize money was 1 million yen. Yes. Which which seems pretty impressive, but then you see it's roughly the equivalent of 8,000 U.S. dollars. Or 5,000 pounds, whichever you prefer. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This last showdown phase, which we'll talk about, I've yes. watched numerous episodes of Takeshi's Castle, and we should note, too, that we saw this on YouTube. It is readily available on YouTube. There's actually a whole channel devoted to many, many Takeshi's Castle episodes. Mm-hmm. 
I believe we talked about this, Scott, before personally, that the episodes are actually just basically highlights from various episodes. I don't think it was, like, one episode is not exactly what happened in that one episode. I, I think that's what we determined, right? Yeah, it seems the competitions are from different episodes yeah. kind of put together. Uh, unless you're watching the original Japanese, you know, Tokyo yes. Broadcasting System version, yeah. It's just basically the Americanized version. It looks like one episode because they start with the beginning of phasing out of contestants. Um, and again, you do see some of the same contestants going through in various events, but it, it's just cobbled together different scenes from different episodes. I, again, I watched numerous episodes of this show, and I have never seen anyone come close to winning the final <laughs> showdown. I, I It says on uh, the research I did that nine people have won during the show's run. I doubt it. I, I can't see it happening. <laughs> I think they should have really kept the actual storming of the castle because the ones I've mostly seen are the laser tank episodes. Mm -hmm. It's the stupidest thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> I mean, there's no way to tell if a thing has been hit. They're racing around like crazy. You see some light beams coming off of, of various parts of the of the tanks. But yeah, it's just so made up and so stupid. <laughs> it, makes... it was very funny to see it, yeah. The funniest part is... Um, General Tani is very funny. It reminds me of that guy from the Iron Chef. I forgot his name. I think he was, oh, the host, yeah. I think he was a general, too. He eats the pepper. Oh, that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what General Tani reminds me of, with a sword yeah, it, and, you know, plastic sword he has. It's very, very funny. Very, very serious in his in his role. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, but that, that final showdown, it, it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> I've seen people, like, only one person get to the end. I've seen, you know, maybe, usually it's like five or six get to that last final showdown of 100, 150 people. So usually that's about a minute and a half before they're all shot down. <laughs> and also in this show, they, they aside from the challenges, they also feature different comedy skits. There was uh, commentary and, and battlefield reporters. Takeshi also, you'll notice in this episode, he had uh, Takeshi's Gundam or defense troops that assist him. And uh, they they are also known as the Emerald Guards. Yes. I think he, even Craig Charles refers to them as the Emerald Guards he in does. this episode. He does, yep. And there was also this huge cast of fictional characters, and they all had specific roles in, in helping Takeshi, especially in, in challenges, as well as performing various tasks in the broadcast of the show. There was a, a huge backstory that was, had been built up, kind of lost uh, in, in the American edits, you know, and I'm sure the same is for other countries as well. Yeah, and there's actually was a scandal around Takeshi's castle. I'm not sure if you knew about this. There was a character called Takeshi's Doll. Have you heard about this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> where there was a period of time where Takeshi, the main character who the show was based on, couldn't appear on television because he had some uh, paparazzi-type incidents. Yeah. Um. So he was in, in real life. He was. Was that a real life incident? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. I believe so. He was actually not able to be on television for a while, and he had one of the Emerald Guards put a basic uh, paper mache Takeshi head on the one of the Emerald Guards. <laughs> like 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 the oversized team mascot ones. They even tried. Yeah. The, you know. And he. Yeah, like he's a, a giant human bobblehead. Yeah. Pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. You know, in the United States, if this happened, you know, scandal, like we've seen it happen, where scandals have happened, and we know it happens, their, their shows are canceled immediately. Right. They just actually played it off and made it like a big joke. So, uh, again, I could be totally wrong if anybody has more information about this scandal, but what I've read, it was an actual incident that happened, maybe mm -hmm. voluntarily on his part. I, I don't know that part of it, but it's very, very funny. 
That's funny, yeah, because I know he's, you know, obviously Takeshi in real life, Takeshi on the show, and when I read that Takeshi's doll had to step in because Takeshi had an incident with the paparazzi, I'm like, well, are they talking about the character? Are they talking about the, the guy himself? Because, you know, he is an actor, he's a celebrity. Yeah, that that's really weird. Yeah. And Takeshi Kitano, I mean, I, I've mentioned he was a writer and an actor and a director. I mean, he's a highly acclaimed writer director uh he i was looking to see what american films he had been in he was in uh, johnny mnemonic the uh, keanu reeves vehicle oh yeah oh. which is pretty funny but uh he he was like nominated twice for the uh palm door at the uh, Cannes film festival hmm. uh he received some sort of lifetime achievement award from the moscow international film festival i mean this guy is really you know he's not just a a crazy game show host as, as we've only seen him you know he's actually a a very uh, skilled artist. Yes, yeah. It's just very, very funny that such a personality would, you know, put himself... So it might have been just himself banning himself from the show. We don't really know. But again, yeah, he was, he's a real personality in Japan. Another very funny entry to the cast of characters is uh, Bradley Leslie. Have you done your research on him, Scott? I've seen him, yeah, yeah. I, I, He was a former athlete, American <laughs> athlete? He was a former American baseball player. He's uh, since passed away, unfortunately, oh. uh, a couple of years ago, 2013. But he played for about three years um, in uh, Major League Baseball for the, the Reds, Cincinnati Reds, and the Brewers. Oh, wow. Believe it or not. So not, you know, superstar player, playing played for a few years. Also playing in Japan for the Japanese Baseball League. Um, mm-hmm. Nicknamed the Animal because he was aggressive. <laughs> and he became basically on Takeshi's Castle after his baseball career ended. He became like a uh, intimidation type of character on Takeshi's Castle, his best role. Huh. Also uh, on MXC, he was also on that too. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, because of his, his time on Takeshi's Castle. So, again, very funny. Reminds me of that movie. What's that movie I'm thinking of, Scott? The one with the baseball. Tom, Tom Selleck, I think, wasn't it? It's Tom Selleck? Oh, Mr. Baseball. Mr. Baseball, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where, you know, <laughs> a, basically a washed-up major leaguer gets sent over to, to Japan and gets his contract sold or something. Yeah, yeah. And it ends up embracing the culture, that kind of situation. So uh, looking at the list of names at, of those individuals who appear on the show, he's the only American name I see. So it's just, I think I've seen him on the show a couple times, actually, because you see a, obviously American guy on the show. Yeah. Yeah, very funny. And, uh, you know, as we talked about MXC being the, the version of the show that, that we've primarily seen here in America, uh, as I mentioned before, it's it's been shown all around the world and, and made into shows for different countries. And a lot of them changed the format, changed a lot of the host segments the lines, and also change the titles. And I have some of these titles from around the world. These are translated into English, of course, but in uh, in Arab countries, this show was called The Fort. Mm-hmm. In Brazil, it was called Fausto's Olympics, and that's because there, there was a, a gentleman that hosted, and they recorded new host segments, and this was like his Olympic challenges. Uh, it was called The Golden Path in Iran. Never Say Banzai in Italy. Russia just called it Japanese Amusements. This is my favorite one. In Thailand, it's called Cruel Thrilling Fun. That's a pretty accurate description. <laughs> That's a TV guy description right there. Yeah, exactly. You get all of it right there in the title. All right, so let's talk about this episode that we watched. Yes. As I mentioned, we watched uh, an episode that aired on the FTN channel in the UK. Uh, we start with an introduction that they added. It features some anime-style characters and 
short clips of the challenges that we're about to see in this episode. They really uh, tried to mimic a Japanese anime style for this opening. Yes. We, we see some of the challenges. One thing about the show, the, the challenges are what made this show. Uh, they were all very heavily influenced by the video games of the time. Uh, like Super Mario Brothers and Donkey Kong. There, there's one challenge that I always loved. It's almost like uh, a person actually going through a side-scrolling Super Mario Brothers level. It's really, really funny. Yes, yeah. And, and often these challenges probably had the filthiest looking water I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's not like a wipeout. You watch that and it's pretty clean. You know, it's clear. Yeah. Like you can tell it's been filtered and everything. This is like, it's like in a sewer somewhere. Yeah, it's like they dug a hole in the ground, like a ditch, and then just took a hose to it and filled it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, and people often fell into dirty water if they failed. That was involved in a lot of these challenges. And, and you hope. I There is a lot of um, rec- reports of, of injuries. And as we talk about this episode, we'll kind of talk about where there probably was some injuries. But, I mean, you got to <laughs> wonder. I mean, that's not a hygienic type of environment. I wonder how many sicknesses came out of this and i'd love to see some statistics of the numbers <laughs> i'm sure they're not publicly available anywhere but still it'd be very very funny yeah i'd hate to like skin my knee and fall directly into like that cesspool water oh, yeah. it's pretty pretty gross so we see now general lee as he's described in this version he's a man in a very ornate white jacket He's holding a sword, and he readies a huge crowd of helmeted contestants, there's a hundred here, uh, for their quest to take on Takeshi's castle. And generally briefs them on their mission, and uh, they look to be like sitting hillside in the woods. Yes. <laughs> it's a staging area. Yeah. For the raid. I'm not sure what he's telling them to get them ready, uh, but then with a wave of his sword and a rallying cry, the the hundred contestants run down the hill, and some are just like wiping out before they even get <laughs> down the hill. <laughs> And uh, they run down to the first game, which is called the uh, the Honeycomb Maze. And the helmets are kind of just a formality, I think. I mean, I can't imagine. They have no other real protection anywhere else in their body, usually. Yeah. The dress code is kind of lax. You see some people with um, some very Americanized t-shirts and some logos and things. And some baseball jerseys, which is really funny. So there's no rhyme or reason for what they wear, it seems like. they. Some of them have pads on, some don't. All of them have helmets, but again, how much are they really going to help? I, I really don't know. Not much, no. but yeah, it seems as though helmets are the only mandatory protection in this show. Probably, you know, stop the... And some of these helmets are like military-grade pith helmets or something. They're not actual... <laughs> you know, there's one lady in the, in the honeycomb that has a green one. Doesn't look like it would protect much. <laughs> yeah, some of these helmets are like... If you buy a bike at like a department store, it's like the helmet that comes with it. There's not much protection there. It's a Walmart special. Eight nine nine. You might not die if you hit your head. Now, in Japan, this honeycomb maze was known as the Devil's Domain. That's what it translates to. But uh, here they call it the honeycomb maze. It, it's basically uh, a platform, and it's made out of these six-walled cells, like honeycomb. And each wall has a door. And the contestants have to quickly get from one side to the other without encountering these costumed warriors who are running around trying to capture them, or without ending up at a dead end over water. And if they are, they're pretty much, you know, forced to drop down into that filthy water. Yeah, and there's no guides at all inside which way is the right way. It's just very much a random type of thing. Where they, yeah. If they go the right way, great. I couldn't even tell that when they actually did get out, the few people that did in the episode, that they actually got out. I mean, there's yeah. nothing to determine, you know, it's, it's all mud. It's all, it's like a mud path, and I guess that's how they knew. And they're pretty, I mean, 
even the guards that are, are going to get them, I'm talking about, again, Pith Helmet Lady. Yeah. They crush her between two doors, these guys. Yes. Yes, they're not gentle on anybody. It's not all for show, like, oh, I'm going to try to get you. Like, do you remember Legends of the Hidden Temple, the Nickelodeon yeah, show? Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, you tag, you're it. This is... It's like that, yeah. It's like that, but instead of, like, you know how they'd go up to the kids and then the kids would have to give them their medallion of life or whatever and then they'd back off? No, these guys would just, like, come up and tackle you or try to push you or, like, yeah, like you said, wedge the lady between two doors. They could go as far as they wanted in this game. Yeah, and that, that same contestant who was crushed between the doors, one of the, I guess, guards came up to her and, and after they captured her, put his hand, muddy hand, disgusting filth hand, right in her face <laughs> and covered her face with it. And it's like, what? <laughs> I mean, and she was like smiling and having a good time. But I mean, that's, I mean, okay, she's done. She's captured. You don't have to keep going here, you know? Right, right. It's just like complete humiliation on top of everything else. Yeah. We see, I think I noticed one contestant actually got through. I mean, I'm sure, of course, more did, but one that we see got through. Yeah. Um, Mr. Vat69. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of the t-shirts are really funny in this. Yeah, because it's kind of like when you see kids who get clothes and they have no idea what they mean. Yeah. It's just American writing, and it's really inappropriate stuff sometimes. Um, yes, and conversely, in America, people getting tattoos and not knowing what they're getting tattoos of in exactly. other languages. Yeah. <laughs> Again, do your research, people, no matter where you live. And that's that's what the, they do for the replay is Miss Bat 69 is the one that gets through. <laughs> yeah, he, he's chased down, but he, he's quick enough to evade them. Yeah. Finally makes it through to the other side. We see some people, you know, they have, you would think you just go through from one side to the other, but having these warriors in there or these guards to, to go around, it really changes things. So you could see a lot of, we look from the top, of course. Yeah. So it's easy for us to see which way to go. But you imagine you get kind of disoriented because you're getting chased around and then it's like, okay, well, what way was forward? What way was back? Just having to dump themselves off into the water because they, they ended up exiting out the side by accident. It's this pure chance that you get to the right door, really. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you can talk to anybody else and get the directions or, you know, it's just hopefully you get through. Yeah. So now after the honeycomb maze, the, the field is now narrowed to 88 contestants, and we get our next game, which is called Show of Hands. Yes, which, this is where the, the language barrier kind of comes into play. Yes. I've seen this in other game shows before, shows similar to this, where you can actually tell what the numbers are in the cards. Yeah. And again, I think that usually it's an addition type problem or something. The hands are numbered, these big hand costumes that they're in, and they have to land, jump on the card that corresponds to their number or to, a, a, again, a, a math problem that they have to figure out as they're running around. Yeah. Um, again, it was kind of hard to follow along with this version since I don't know Japanese. Yeah, they're, they're wearing the large hand-shaped costume. They're, they're gathered around this large mat, and the mat's covered with large numbered cards. And, like, a math problem is, like, yelled or announced. Uh, in some, I think, some versions we saw, they actually were uh, written across the bottom of the screen so you could follow along. And then they have to, like, run and belly flop onto that corresponding number. It, it, it's funny, Craig Charles, in, in this version that we saw, we don't hear the math problem. We're, we're, we can't read it. But Charles mentions that, it, you know, it's hard to tell what's happening unless you have a first-class degree in Japanese from a high-ranking university. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> and this game was called uh, in J the original Japanese it was called both Swift Hand Cards 
and study the cards. Which I guess is appropriate, yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're just like jumping, they're flopping, they're sliding, they're pigpiling. It's basically whoever can get there first as the game goes on, but they have a really hard time moving around. It's not like you can easily run around, because if you can imagine, if you're wearing like a large costume shaped like a giant glove, like a giant open hand, you picture like the narrow wrist constricting like a skirt around the legs. Yeah, yeah. Just trying to imagine running with with like a hard rubber band around your legs up to your, you know, down past your knees pretty much. Yeah, you know, there's no way you can run without tripping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, this thing is, is a latex foam or something. This is not a light material that they're wearing. No. So <laughs> some of them, I think, just fall down because they can't go any further. So it's not easy situation getting through this. And, and there's plenty of uh, Takeshi's assistants there. And really, they're there to help set these guys back up because there's no way once they fall unless they you know try to slide out of the costume there's no way you can get back up once you fall no no yeah yeah and i think my favorite character of the show is probably the guy with the j in his belt i don't know what that means but the man who's like the the master of this game with the mm -hmm. colorful costume and j yeah yeah I call him j <laughs> he basically determines who has won by running over to them with his fan and announcing the winner so it's <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it was all correct. I really don't know, but yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's on the up and up. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, Wikipedia surprisingly has a, a huge article on Takeshi's Castle with all kinds of sections on uh, the cast of characters and their bios and uh, what these games entail. Uh, not just the games that we saw in this episode, but all of the games. And so if you're interested in the show, really check that out, because uh, you, you can really learn a lot about what you're seeing in these games. Yeah, more than you would ever want to know, really. <laughs> Probably. Even diagrams. A di yeah, how the games work, and yeah, it's yeah. quite amazing. Yeah, th this really gained a cult following over the years. And it's, it's, you know, it's easy to see why, because it's it's like a, a train wreck, you know? <laughs> But a fun yeah, one. A fun train wreck. You just watch it and like, oh, I can't believe that people are going through this, you know, and dealing with this. But, it, yeah, it's quite interesting to watch. And that's where it gets addicting is this, because there's no, no plot, really. I mean, just watching these characters again. Yeah. Get knocked down and it's, it's very funny. <laughs> very, very funny. And they edit, like, you know, between every round we're watching here of Show of Hands. Because I was thinking about this, like, you know, we don't see everybody get set up and get back to their places. Once everybody, you know, pig piles on a card and they declare, okay, this guy at the bottom got it first. We next cut to them already back in their positions. Yeah. It must have taken forever to get everybody back up and back over. It's like, it must have taken all day. One at a time, really. I mean, unless they have... Yeah. Uh, I see two guys in black lifting them up. It's not like they have a whole army of people. No. Yeah, it must have... And if it was hot out, I mean, it's been, been horrible. <laughs> Honestly. I know. And those don't look like a treat getting in and out of those suits, so... <laughs> now, now, slowly the number of contestants is narrowed again, and the show just moves on to the next game, which is called Skipping Stones. Skipping Stones is my... <laughs> favorite game it, it's one i think it's one of the most popular ones i mean they have it almost every episode yeah and how half the people don't die during skipping stones is beyond me oh i think we saw some people expire in this episode 
that first girl who ran across and to describe what skipping stones is to our, yeah. to our audience it's literally these probably you know two foot in diameter stones that are you know lined across a body of water the contestant has to run and jump on these stones and skip Cross. Some of the stones are not actually solid, so you kind of have to guess which one is going to be solid, and they all look the same. And when you jump on a non-solid one, it dips into the water. Yeah, it's just floating it's there just on a chain. floating, and then you go into the water, or you can recover. <laughs> the goal is to get to the other side. If you even fall in a little bit, and you get, but you still get to the other side, you, you're okay. Yeah. The thing that is amazing about this, and every time I watch it, it, it boggles my, my mind... <laughs> The stones that are real are real stones. <laughs> They're not foam. They're not just, you know, more secured. They're stones. They're hard. Yeah, they're hard, whatever they're made There of. must be cement pillars there or something. Because yeah. people go into those and take a snootful of, of stone, and it looks <laughs> very real. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. And you got to run fast, you know, to make it across. Yeah, you're not you and, just jump from one to the other. You have to actually run. Like, like you're, you were just, you know, talking about the first lady we see. You know, she starts off really well, and but she steps onto a floating rock, and she trips forward, but then she recovers again, and she makes it all the way to the end and hits another floating stone and then just kind of falls into the water at the last possible place. It's like and going that far. I, I've watched not it, making it. I watched her run four or five times in slow motion. Yeah. At the edge of the bank is like a concrete, I don't know what we'd call it, like a barrier. Yeah. It's holding up the side of this bank where the tank is. Yeah. She goes face first into the, the side of this bank. <laughs> yeah. When she misses that last stone or she falls into it. She, I mean, face first into this thing. And I, I'm a, they cut it right there. I'm, I'm guessing she just died right there. They pulled her out. <laughs> because... I don't know how you could survive. I mean, face first. The helmets are not going to do you any good if you hit your face. And one next guy, his his chest hits a rock, and he looks like he's about to die. One guy, I think, is can't have children anymore because he yeah, wait, hits I was going to mention that. Yeah, <laughs> he's got one leg up, and then yeah, it's just a uh... horrible, horrible event. But just uh, one guy, wisely, the smartest guy in there, jumps into the woods on the side of the pond. That was the smartest move I think he could make. <laughs> He decided halfway through that he was done. But again, this is this is such a, a train wreck of a of an of a event, and uh, oh, I, I don't know, it just boggles my mind again. And one guy, he makes it all the way to the end, almost loses it, and then he's hanging on to that ledge you're talking about. That's like right at the edge edge of the water, because they pretty much it looks like they just dug this body of water out of the ground again, filling it with that filthy water, which kind of prevents you from seeing if something's floating or solid. And, uh, in fact, I think the MXC version, they called it sinkers and floaters. Yeah. You know, because you got to get a poop joke in there somehow. <laughs> it's pretty accurate, yeah. <laughs> and this guy, he hangs onto the ledge at the end, and he, like, pushes himself up, even though he's kind of, like, halfway in the water, and then he just does, like, a log roll with his body. And it counts. He made it to the other yeah, side, so they, they give it to him. I think that's the only guy who makes it through that you see in this episode, in this, in yeah. this one. I mean, oh, and the replay was that poor girl hit the side with her face. Ugh. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. One guy trips running to the course. It's just like, before he even starts, he nearly injures himself Yeah, that guy, severely. he was wearing almost nothing, like a wrestling suit or something. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Oh. It, it, it makes me cringe every time I think about Skipping Stones. Now, Skipping Stones doesn't really sound like that 
fearsome of a challenge, but in the original Japanese, this challenge was called Lake of the Dragon God. Hmm. <laughs> so that's a little more accurate. Yeah, and it makes me wonder, it should be called, you know, Where's Osha during this filming? <laughs> or the Japanese equivalent of Osha. Because, oh my, you know, ugh. I'm sure they all signed waivers. Uh, I'm sure it was all legal. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I can see numerous ambulances right beyond the finish line. <laughs> So now we're told that this is the end of part one and the show takes a commercial break. Yes. And when we return, part two begins. Our first challenge of part two is called Rice Bowl Downhill. And in this game, contestants are placed in a large rubber rice bowl looking, you know, thing. And they're sent down a, a wide water slide by two guys in bowler hats and rainbow ponchos. <laughs> the the objective in this game is you got to balance your weight as you go down in such a way that you don't flip over and you're able to stay afloat in the pool of water that's at the bottom at the very end. We'll put water in air quotes. Yeah, again, some of that... that uh, it, you know. it looks like filth. <laughs> but uh, the, the complicating things is that the bowl is actually shaped like a real bowl. You know, there's, there's the flat ridge at the bottom of a bowl, if you can imagine, you know, using a regular bowl. So... You have to keep that edge sitting flat as you go down. And it's very hard to do. In the, in the original Japanese, this challenge was called bowling down the river. Yeah, that's pretty accurate too. And I, I, you think that's made of rubber, that bowl? I mean, it looks like hard something. Uh, it's like gym mat material yeah, almost. It, it looks heavy. It doesn't look like it's very forgiving. No, not at all. And it's it's okay of a an event until you hit the bottom, the filthy water, and then <laughs> you know if you're hitting the, the wrong way or you know your balance is off, you're gonna dip forward or backwards. Again, I saw one person who made it in this little viewing. The the smartest guy was the guy who bailed out or got tipped out right at the beginning and just kind of slid down the course. Oh yeah, those the the guys they call them the Rainbow Warriors yes. in this version. They were taunting. They them. like yeah, they dumped the guy out if that's the one you're talking yes, about. Yep, yep. It, like right from the beginning, like that was pretty unfair. Like, I think when they pushed him, they held on to it or something, and he didn't even get a chance. So he's just sliding down with the bowl. And he tumbles down the ramp, and he yeah, never had a chance. Nope. And they didn't care. Rainbow Warriors didn't care. They're, they're unforgiving. Yeah, and it's one of those things, you, you even if you make it, even if you get, like, oh, balance yourself on that edge going down, once you hit that water, everything changes, and most people, once they hit the water, completely flip over. Yeah, and the one girl who did make it was just so tiny, I think, that she was able to kind of hide herself in the bottom of it. Yeah. And didn't affect the the balance of the bowl, and that's the reason I think she made it. Yeah, that's, like, the only way yeah. to do it. Yeah, definitely. So moving on from, from this challenge, we next get a challenge called Fish Food. Which is the first time I ever saw this one, too. And how anybody made it past this is beyond me. Oh, it's impossible. This was so ridiculous. <laughs> how does it even make it onto the show? It, uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically a triangle-shaped ramp where you have to be pulled on the very top edge of it, if you can imagine that. And you're being pulled on a boogie board on this small edge, and there's obstacles in your way, like squid-looking things and shark mouths. You're supposed to be able to go through a, a hole in the middle. No one made it more than 10 feet before they were knocked off. You're being pulled on a rope, basically, by on, from one side to the other side of this thing. And it's just, it's ridiculous. They should end yeah, the game right there and say, okay, done, because no one can do this. Yeah, it's almost like if you can imagine being on a board... And being pulled lengthwise across the top of your roof on your house. Yes. 
You know, it's just this thin edge. So not only do you have to make sure you're balanced uh, left to right, you have to make sure that the person pulling you, because I assume it's like a group of people or a machine or, you know, they're, or they're just driving a car or something at the other end. I don't know what's pulling the rope, but they have to assume that that rope is going to pull them straight, too. I'm guessing like a surplus tank or something was hooked to the end of that thing pulling it. <laughs> General Lee's yeah. tank. But yeah, they have these obstacles. They're all, you know, it's fish themed, so they have to jump over a crab. Then they have to to crouch through a shark's open mouth, which is, a you know, a pretty small space. And then there's more crabs. The obstacles repeat a few times. But like you're saying, Sean, it's like these contestants only made it through maybe two or three at the most before they just tumbled down one of the sides, again, into filthy water. Yeah, and that's another factor is there's water on this thing. It's wet, so it's not like it's even, I, I think, I don't know if it being dry would help matters at all. Yeah, but it was no one made it more than I. I never saw the end of the uh, the trail in this this obstacle. So I don't know how they passed it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess there must have been at this. I mean, we're probably down to like twenty people at this point, right? I would say. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And maybe they just said, "Oh, you know, no one got through," so it was just give up i don't know yeah it doesn't take much to send these contestants over the edge in this game yeah it's just uh it, and if like you said the the challenge ends at least from our edit without anybody making it across yeah exactly and it, you gotta understand with this, these games too if you mess up it's not like you get a second chance they're done yeah um that's why i start with 150 people almost because they know they have to whittle it down to two or three or five or whatever <laughs> So you're, you know, you could be done the first round. You could be done. This you could have made it through five rounds already and get stuck at this stupid game. Yeah, done, really. You know. So next we get a very, very interesting and unique challenge uh, called karaoke. Uh, you can imagine exactly what this is. It's pretty simple. You got to sing well, and you have to please the owner and the bouncer. Or face the consequences. And in the original Japanese, from my research, it wasn't even originally called karaoke. It was just called Street Corner TV. <laughs> Why, I do not know. But it, I, I love that it's like in the middle of Takeshi's Castle, we have this little nightclub where contestants have to go in and, and impress everybody. Yeah, and again, this is lost in translation yet again. Um, yes, very much so. I don't know what was going on here. Um <laughs> It seems, like he says, up to the whims of the nightclub owner, in quotes. This is a guy sitting off to the side, having having a few drinks with his bouncer standing right next to him. Now, we, we should mention, it starts with this, this man in a giant pink vest and silver bow tie, and he's almost, like, angrily and menacingly opening the competition, and uh, he's, like, explaining the rules or, or something. Either way, the tone and the apparel do not seem to match for this gentleman. There's other guys in, like, um, kimonos on, and it's just... I, I am left speechless in this this event. Oh, it's hilarious! It's and it's like really cramped and small. This nightclub set, and uh, we have a, a side door which has like an exterior, so it's like almost almost like a uh, soap opera set or something where they had a nightclub scene and they never used it again. And Takeshi's Castle picked it up. Yeah, I'm assuming that's what happened. Yes, we get the first contestants, which these were the two guys. In the kimonos holding fans. And uh, it's funny, they're, they're starting to sing. Everyone seems to like it. Everyone's, you know, like kind of bobbing their heads and clapping along. They even cut to this weird exterior shot of a crowd of people dancing in a large circle in front of Takeshi's castle. I don't know if these two scenes were connected or if the British edit wanted to put this in here for, you know, just to be funny. But uh, everyone was really digging these two guys in their song. Yeah, they actually stayed on the couch for the, for some yeah, reason. Yeah, uh, they were invited to stick around, and not everyone was. 
nope, nope. Some some people got kicked out. Some got let through. And again, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't seem as though they get to select their own song. Uh, the next guy comes in. He's given a, a much slower song. And he can, he can like, barely keep a straight face. And he only gets out a few words before that bouncer walks over. And like you said, they're pushed out the door. Like, physically, you know, he'll grab their shoulder and just throw them out. Yep, out of here. And then the next contestant after that was this girl who had a really hard time with some certain high notes. And she was clearly having fun, though, like, as she was singing. And everyone seemed to be happy and kind of laughing along with her. And so they let her through. She got to, like, walk off the stage to the other side of the set. And I guess there's, like, another exit door that the owner and the bouncer let her go through. That denotes that she actually got through. Yeah, yeah. I like the guy in the baseball uniform. He's my favorite, yeah. <laughs> He's like really taking charge, gets up there, pulls the mic off the stand, and then he just begins singing terribly. And like just immediately he's kicked out. He gets booed out, yeah. And the guy <laughs> after him gets through. So I... Yeah, the the last guy that we see, he didn't even sing. No. He just like jumped, like jumped a few times, and then he was like doing some stretches. And then I think they just felt bad for him and they're like, all right, you can go through. <laughs> I just think they figured that we had to just get somebody, we had to get a few more contestants in here. So whatever, you know. Yeah, whatever was funny to them, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm assuming. I, who knows? But yeah, a very, very strange to see a karaoke challenge in the middle of the, these grueling physical events. Yeah, it's very off-putting. I would feel so cheated if I just, you know, risked falling through this muddy water and getting smacked in the head on the skipping stones, and all of a sudden, like, I can't belt out some of these notes, and they they kick me out of their nightclub challenge, and I lose, you know? Yeah, but we'll see another part of this in a second when we talk about the showdown. I'll bring up a point that will kind of refute that also. Okay. Maybe maybe the nightclub challenge doesn't mean anything. I don't. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, like you said, it's lost in translation. Maybe this is kind of a, a side challenge? Maybe, or it doesn't... I, I don't know. <laughs> Either way, I had fun watching it. Yeah. I'm glad it's part of it. And after this, the show gives us what they call the Furious Flashback. This is obviously, you know, for the British version. We got a, a quick montage of some of the biggest failures of the episode. And, you know, a lot of the stuff Sean and I had already uh, previously talked about, which, of course, you know, people... Uh, really enjoy seeing those wipeouts, and there you go. There's a whole countdown of them. The best ones. Now, this episode concludes with the final challenge. This is the showdown. If you notice, it's night now. I, I don't know if that correlates to what we saw throughout the day. Like, if we're watching the day's events with generally rallying the army at the outset in the morning. But either way, it's nighttime now. So, uh, the five remaining players, they crawl out of some underground tunnel in front of Takeshi's castle, and they line up next to General Lee. And it, the thing I was going to mention is you notice that Mr. Baseball uniform is there. So I guess the karaoke competition didn't matter. Or I guess, we're assuming, because he, yeah. he made it through. And I love the, it's almost like a Super Mario Brothers type thing, where Mario comes out of the, the green pipe yeah. from the subterranean level. <laughs> now General Lee is there, he orders everybody to their vehicles, and if you picture uh, opposite... Their line of mini tanks are five tanks driven by teams of Takeshi's guards. There's three to a tank, and Takeshi is in his tank, which is different from the others. It's almost like rocky it's like looking. A rock. Yeah, like fiberglass rock or something. Well, notice that this is one of the rare instances with the Takeshi doll. Yeah, it, it, very, very funny that uh, you know this this guy is just kind of riding around. I don't know if he can see. I don't know how well he can breathe under there. I, I don't believe he's defending himself 
the Takeshi doll. I think he's just kind of sitting there, and the other men in his tank are helping him. Looks like he has a bazooka. I mean, uh... <laughs> But this is the uh, version of this event with the spray water guns in the paper. Yes. Um, it's pretty obvious to see what they're doing. It's basically these tennis racket-looking paper targets that are on top of each, the front of each vehicle, and the goal is to spray water through them, and that's where it ends. So yeah, you, you spray enough water at this paper target, and I guess it'll break through it, but everyone's driving around, everybody's, you know, spraying at the same time, and, and I think there's a couple of targets on each tank as well. Yeah, one in the front, it might be another one somewhere else, and that's how you guess that they're disabled, I'm assuming. And then, as we can see, as we alluded to before, they're not successful in taking Takeshi's castle this night. Nope. And it's funny, because this we were watching this this tank battle go on for a few minutes really and Takeshi's tanks not defeated fireworks go off you know this big celebration and everything but yeah no, no winner and that's the end of the episode and generally at the end of this episode when he's in the middle of the tanks <laughs> yes it looks so defeated <laughs> like he's so discouraged that they didn't take the castle tonight he just looks like he's so sad I, I feel bad for generally they put such high hopes of these contestants to get through, and they failed them yet again. Yes, v delivering a very, very sad monologue, and uh, it's too bad we don't get to uh, get the the English translation of what he's saying here, but there's such great acting here that he's taking his role as the, the general of this invading army so seriously, and you could just see in his eyes how sad he is that, like you said, they were not able to do it on that night. I, I love his coat, though, with the dragons on the side and the back. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the costumes are, are awesome in this. It's just so, so, I feel so bad for him. Yep. Poor General Lee. So after this, we now get the closing credits. So, Sean, what are your thoughts now upon watching Takeshi's Castle for this podcast? Well, like I said before, I, it's the most ridiculous show, probably one of the most ridiculous shows I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but it is so addicting just like wipeout is also stupid but addicting yep. because it's i guess it's human nature to want to see people fall down <laughs> and smash their heads into things i don't know but it you know when i was a kid i used to love american gladiators for the same same reason and it's yep. just it's not going to win any emmys to show or any other awards at all ever <laughs> but it's just mindless fun to watch I recommend everyone at least to watch one episode, and I can almost guarantee that you're going to watch more than one. You're going to put it on a number of times. Even though, again, there's no, you won't understand what they're saying. It, it doesn't matter. With the, with the awesome uh, commentary by Mr. Charles, it doesn't, you know, he provides that comic relief. I would like to watch a Japanese version of it just to see a full episode go through. Maybe they do go into more details of the contestants or something. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's just stupid fun. Yeah. When I first saw MXC most extreme elimination challenge on spike TV, I loved this show. I, I not so much what they did to it in the editing. I didn't really you know, care. They didn't really need to add the jokes as far as I was concerned. I just wanted to see the straight footage of this original Japanese show. And if you watch that at the end, it would tell you that there was footage taken from the original broadcast of Takeshi's Castle. Of course, you're watching this in like, you know, the year 2003, 2004, and it looks like footage from the 80s. So, you know, it's a, a repackaged show. And, and they must have done that to make it more palatable around the world, you know, because not everybody wants to see this over and over and over again. And like you said, there was only how many winners, supposedly? Nine like, in the whole run of the nine? show. Nine? <laughs> Out of the eight, 800,000 episodes filmed, 
Only nine people won. Yeah, so, you know, that that can be kind of grueling to watch. But, uh, no, the challenges are are awesome. That's what really makes this show. And it's not the same challenges. There's tons of them that they go through. The most popular ones tend to come up more often. and uh, But there there's some other ones that are just crazy. And it, there were so many injuries reported on this, this show. This is something that probably could not be replicated again. No, not at all. Such a great show. I, I love this show so much, and I could watch these episodes over and over again, and I'm glad they're readily available for pretty much everybody around the world. Yes. Well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your favorite challenges, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. Now, Sean, do you have anything you want to plug? No, Scott, I don't have anything to plug tonight, but thanks. Alrighty. I am on Twitter. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Vine. There my name is also MC and Friends, and there I do little flip page cartoons, little humorous animations, and you can check my stuff out there. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show, and we try to be creative with those. For Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher, and we can now be found on TuneIn Radio. And coming soon to Google Play, so look for us on those platforms. Fantastic. Well, we have been Sean and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Domo arigato.